a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. This year for Latter-day Saints and many others, we study the New Testament, which for me is really exciting because there's little I like more in the realm of religion and religious studies in the New Testament. It's absolutely fascinating, fabulous to me. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the New Testament is the context that it gives for Christianity. Now, I'd like to add a little bit more to that today than most often think of, because for early Christians, there was no New Testament. They were dealing with the Old Testament, which were the scriptures that they had at the time, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail, but the Old Testament that they had was not as long as ours is today, and so it was an abbreviated Old Testament. One of the things that's at the heart of all this and why it's so important is to know how Jesus' plan for his ministry unfolded. It wasn't something that was completely separated from the Old Testament or the scriptures of the time. It was in fulfillment of them. And frankly, those who were knowledgeable about the Jewish scriptures of the time were the ones that tended, as Jews anyway, because of course non-Jews wouldn't have any idea what the Jewish canon was and they wouldn't care. But Jewish converts to Christianity understood Jesus to be a fulfillment of the promised Messiah as discussed and mentioned and prophesied in the Old Testament. That is the core concept. And so when Jesus began to speak, those who listened to him speak from the very beginning until the very end of his ministry saw in his actions and words the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Now, often Latter-day Saints talk about how Jews didn't find Jesus to be the Messiah, or many of them overlooked him because they were looking for a political leader. And that's true for many, but not for all. So the question is, how did those that recognized him as the Messiah do so? Well, let's start off by understanding a few things about the Old Testament and Jesus' time and about how those who saw Jesus as the fulfillment of the Messiah 
did that from the Old Testament. Let's first go to the very beginning of, well, not quite the very beginning, but the beginning book of the Old Testament, Genesis. If you go to Genesis chapter 9, and then again to chapter 15, you have Noah and Abraham. Noah's experience was about a covenant in the form of a rainbow. It was a token, this rainbow was, of a new covenant that God had made with the people. And then later on, you have Abraham in Genesis 15. He has, with this new rite of circumcision, a new covenant or promise that he entered into that was a promise from God that his posterity would eventually fill the earth. And then we go on a little bit farther, and we see other covenants that are mentioned. One of the most important for our purposes today is Exodus chapter 24, where in verses 4 through 8, Moses writes the words of Yahweh or Jehovah. And this, this is what it says. Moses wrote all the words of Yahweh. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to Yahweh. And Moses took half of the blood, and this is the key part, and put it in a basin and half of the blood he threw against the altar, and then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that Yahweh has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which Yahweh has made with you in accordance with all these words, close quote. Now, isn't this so reminiscent of the Last Supper, which Jesus converted into what we as Christians call the sacrament? Here we have the blood of the covenant, and it's made for all the people. And in Exodus chapter 24, it's literally thrown on them. They experience a transformation by the very blood of this covenant. As we go on a little bit further, we well, b- before I leave that, those who are Christians who heard about the story of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross in, th- in the institution of the sacrament, who knew their Old Testament, who knew the Jewish scriptures, would have said, that's in fulfillment of Exodus 24, 4 through 8. Or that's Exodus 24, 4 through 8, re-understood, or something along those lines, because you could not escape understanding that if you knew your Jewish scriptures at the time. Here's another example. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, You have this beautiful statement, and this was Jeremiah, time of the Jews, way before Christianity. He's telling the people, you broke the covenants of the law of Moses. In the future, 
God will make a new covenant. And here's how it will be different from the old covenant. God will write it in your hearts, and you will be God's people, and he will be your God. And so those who were faithful Jews who really knew their Old Testament and understood Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and heard Jesus talk about love and loving your God and loving your fellow man, thought, ah, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, this is the promised Messiah. This is the new covenant that God promised to send us. This is it. And they would have been very, very excited. And we see that this is the case, how new Jewish converts understood this. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, we have this idea of a new covenant where the writer of Hebrews says, quote, he treats the first covenant as obsolete, talking about Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. But you notice then that the new covenant of Christianity is something that's to be kept. It is not obsolete. And then you have, as described in Mark chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus talking about his institution of the sacrament. He says, quote, this is my blood of the covenant, which is a reference to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and probably also to Exodus. He's echoing both Moses' words and Jeremiah's words. And he says, this is the blood of my covenant. He's talking about his sacrifice that will redeem the people. All right, when we come back, more about how Jewish listeners to Christianity would have understood Jesus as fulfilling the Old Testament, which is quite an amazing thought, and of course one that's obvious, but then the question becomes, why didn't all of them understand that? Well, more about that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you have a question or a comment about this show, send me an email and reference Religion Today, and I'll be happy to respond. Send it to Martin S. 
martintanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com. Today we're talking about the context of the New Testament and about how Jesus and his message would have been heard and understood by Jews of the time and about how those who were astute and really understood the scriptures of the time could see in Jesus the promised Messiah according to the words of the Old Testament books. Now, when we took our break, we were talking about how in Mark chapter 14, verse 24, Jesus says that his blood will be spilled, in essence, just as Moses did so, and also as Jeremiah in chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, talked about a new covenant in the future. To them, this was the fulfillment. Jesus was this new covenant. Another fascinating place where we see that this is how the earliest converts to Christianity understood Jesus is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. Now, we have a lot of disagreement among scholars about when the various books of the New Testament were written, but it's almost universally accepted, and I also believe it to be true for reasons I'm not going to go into excruciating detail to discuss today, but Paul's letters were the earliest parts of the New Testament that were written. They were written before the Gospels. And one of the reasons that we come to that conclusion is because if there were Gospels that were discussions of Jesus in existence at the time Paul wrote his letters, he would have probably referred to them at least a few times. But he doesn't do that. On the other hand, the Gospel writers would have had no need to refer to Paul because they were talking about something more elemental and more basic in Christianity, that was the life of Jesus. That's sort of the basic underlying idea about why Paul's letters were probably first. We also know that from the writing style in the earliest known manuscripts of Paul. But let's, let's go back to this. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, says, quote, This cup is the new covenant— in my blood, close quote. This is a reference by early Christians to the idea that the sacrament is an echoing of this new covenant idea in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. That's how we know the new Christians interpreted it that specific way. So, as we go specifically to the Old Testament of the time and ask what would the Jews who heard Jesus' words have understood from Jesus' statements. Let's start at the beginning of his ministry now. In Mark, Jesus begins his ministry, and we hear in verse 14 that it's stated by the author of Mark, John Mark, 
that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That would be a reference that the listeners could not have escaped from associating with the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel says that the God of heaven would set up a kingdom which would not be destroyed. That's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. The kingdom was to be bestowed on the saints of the Most High, according to Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. Daniel, in vision, saw how the time would come when the saints would receive the kingdom in chapter 7, verse 22. Now, it's interesting that those who were part of the Qumran community, the Dead Sea Scrolls group, called themselves the Latter-day Saints. They were in the last days before the coming of the Messiah. The Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints members, call themselves Latter-day Saints because they are in the last days before Jesus will come a second time. That is a fascinating reference. One of the things that we also ought to mention here is that when you have Jesus at the beginning of his ministry talking in the synagogue, he uses scripture. He doesn't just stand up and use wise words. He stands up and reads Isaiah Chap, what for us is now chapter 61, verse 1, in a slightly different form. And he recites the statement of the unnamed prophet that God had or would send to the people by placing his spirit on this prophet and by anointing this prophet to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim the release of the captives and giving the sight to the blind and liberating those who are oppressed. And he goes on and discusses all this. It's, it's, it's mentioned in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus says, after he reads this word, the, the, these words from Isaiah, quote, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears or in your hearing in some translations, close quote, in Luke chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, was referencing the scriptures of his day, the Old Testament, and saying how he fit into them. He was this prophet. He was this Messiah. He was the one who was to come and do all these things. And then as he went on through his ministry, he did what he mentioned there. He proclaimed the good news. He gave sight to the blind. He liberated those who were oppressed. He did amazing things through his miracles. Now, this is an incredible thing because he's saying, up front what he is going to do. Another fascinating point of this time frame is that we often think, well, we have the same scriptures 
that the early Christians did and that the Jews did. That's simply not quite the case. First of all, we have a Bible that's based on early manuscripts and a retranslation of the Bible by Jerome, by St. Jerome, as, as Catholics call him. That happened in about 400 A.D. The Old Testament scriptures and New well, the Old Testament scriptures that were available at the time of Jesus were the Septuagint, and they were Greek scriptures. When Jesus stood up and read that Isaiah verse, he was reading Greek. You say, well, how is that possible? The Jews in 300 BC, in Alexandria, Egypt, several centuries after the destruction of Jerusalem, were worried that their children, the next generations, who spoke as their native language Greek, would not have scriptures, their Jewish Old Testament, to rely on. Hence, the Septuagint was translated, and the Septuagint was the Old Testament in Greek, and from that time, 300 B.C., until the time of Christ, and actually until about 1000 A.D., the scriptures of the Jews were mainly in Greek. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.